You're listening to the EMS Wise Guys Podcast. Yeah, stand by for the EMS Wise Guys. Eh? Red 11, standing by. Red 5, standing by. Hello, everybody out there in podcast land. Welcome to the EMS Wise Guys podcast being brought to you, as always, from the Speakeasy Studios in Amherst, New York. This on the microphone is Sean P. Halsman. And across from me, my partner in crime, Jonathan J.D. DiVirgilio. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Sean. Actually, it's afternoon now. It's it's 155 while we're recording this. 1400. Wouldn't it be cool if we could figure out a way that people were actually listening to the podcast and then we could like somehow alter our greeting to match the time of day? That would be that would be creepy. <laughs> We're watching like, you. You must give permission to your clock to have a proper greeting for a podcast you're listening to. So, uh, so what's new? There is new stuff. There is new. There, there is new there stuff. Is new. JD, lay it on us. Tell us about this new stuff that we're involved in here at the uh, Wise Guys. We have now become an affiliate for the Prepare to Pass conference happening on June, July, July 24th. It is a virtual conference. We were contacted by the EMS Leadership Academy and Master Your Medics. Check them out. Thanks, guys. Yep. They're at 911 Leadership on all social media, I believe, and at Master Your Medics. So they're... uh, they're a training company, so what they are doing is uh, they've par- they've asked us to partner with them to help promote it, so we are promoting for them. Obviously, we would like you to use our link to sign up for it, but I myself have signed up. I believe you have also. I, I have signed up also because I think so, there's probably some good information yes. across there. So. so it is an all-virtual conference. They have a conference later this year. We'll talk about it at a later time, but we are promoting the July 24th date, which is a Friday. First, discover what's working today to be successful in passing your paramedic exams and then creating and fulfilling on a plan for your career, giving you more insights from successful thought leaders in the field and how to sustain yourself over time. The 2020 Prepare to Pass Playbook is the most valuable asset you can have in getting prepared for your education. This conference will have world-class pre-hospital education experts revealing how to gain an edge before starting school and you get the Prepare to Pass Playbook PDF for free. That's a lot of peace. That's a lot of peace. They're going to have uh, good education experts such as Ginger Locke from the Medic Mindset Podcast, Jeff Murphy from the Master Your Medics, Peter Bonadonna, and many more. Sign up for this conference and get your free Prepare to Pass Playbook. Head over to www.howtoprepare, that's the number two, dot com slash wise guys. Again, how to prepare the number two dot com slash wise guys. I think that's good stuff because uh, how many people, especially coming into EMS, uh, not even EMT, but going into the paramedic portion of it, have been separated for a long time from academia, uh, have not you know sat through a college level course before, and then maybe aren't uh, terribly comfortable sitting there and yeah. are, are questioning their skills and their ability to study you know after such a long time. So I think this is a great thing to get some uh, tips and, and pointers on. How do you be successful? How do you, you know, what do you do to, to get your grades through, to get yourself into a position where you can pass and get out there and be a great provider? So Right. And we live in this new world now where a lot of stuff's going virtual. So this stuff is going to be really helpful and really relevant coming up for the, you know, the upcoming classes. I know some of the uh, 
colleges and, and uh, training programs are going back to on-site stuff, but a lot of stuff might be done virtual in the future. And I know there's a course section in there that's going to cover that. Yep. And there's some great names on there. You know, we, we mentioned a few of them, you know, Ginger Locke, obviously everybody knows from the Medic Mindset podcast and she does some uh, tremendous interviews, but also has uh, fantastic knowledge of EMS education because that's what she does. And, uh, you know, Peter Bonadonna, I had the pleasure of actually sitting in a uh, live conference with him talking about ultrasound, which, you know, like it or not, I think is coming in the field down the road. So, uh, he presented that well and has some good ideas about the future of EMS. So a lot of good names on there. Uh, definitely check that out. Absolutely. So uh, you and I had a little text exchange. We've been kind of off off on our own little thing for the last month and a half. Well, it's actually been a little bit less than a month. Um, it's been busy. It's been crazy busy. Yeah, everything opening back up, and all of a sudden we have call volumes increasing. Right. And, you know, with everything opening back up, I'm you know not in the office a couple of days a week because of childcare issues. Uh, my childcare had to go back to work, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then our previous childcare wasn't able to take back over. We found somebody, but uh, still costs money. <laughs> yeah, there's always that money issue. So, but uh, yeah, so we're finally getting to sit down, and uh, we, we had an interesting topic that we saw over the over the last. I think it was over the weekend you texted me about it, and I was like, oh, this is going to be a good one. Yeah. Um, there was an article that came out in EMS1, and it is titled, Lawsuit Seeks to Change California Rules on EMT Certification for Felons. It was written by Laura French from Sacramento, California. And the basic premise is there's a seasonal firefighter that has uh, convicted fe- two convicted felonies, um, and he's filed a complaint against the EMS Bureau uh, saying that he cannot be an uh, uh, EMT in the state because of these felonies. And uh, I think most states actually have this rule. And I think uh, you and I are a little different on most things. Well, a few things on this, um, specifically the uh, uh, whether or not you, all felonies should be covered. And I know uh, we had a little, uh, little, uh, little discussion, so we figured we'd bring it onto the podcast. Yeah. Well, I, I think, you know, to, to start the whole thing off, we talk about professionalism on the wise guys a lot, and that that's one of our main, you know, provider safety, professionalism, and, and resiliency have really been some of the main topics here. And I think this kind of falls right in there because when we're talking about professionalism of the people in EMS and who represent us, not just as an agency, but who represents us nationally as an as an EMS industry, who, who are the types of people we want in our field? Right. And, uh, you know, who makes the determination of those kind of people? And, and is there – I think that the biggest thing for me is, is there predictive value always in somebody's past history? Um, and I think you would say probably yes more than I would. And I think, well, I think it depends. Yeah. I Sometimes I, – I really depends. I don't know this gentleman um, in his – I don't know. Do we give the name? Sure. Oh, it's in the article. Yeah, it's in the article. Uh, Dario – Garola? Garola. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Italian. I screwed up. People screw up my name all the time. Um, so he was convicted with two felonies, one in 2003 and one in 2005. Um, the one in 2003, he was 22. He was convicted of fel- felony, ooh, convicted of the felony possession of a concealed dagger. And in 2005, he was convicted of assaulting a security guard. So... You sent me this, and I was like, oh, let's talk about this. I think um, I said that uh, – actually, I will read the text message. I said, hmm, based on his convictions, I side with the state. And the reason why I said that was based on one of his convictions, I side with the state, and that's the violent felony of the assault. Yes. And I think we're sort of on the same wavelength with that. I don't think the uh, possession of the knife, depending on 
you know, I'd have to look at the case stuff with the knife. But like, if he's walking around with a machete and that's the felony possession, okay. Depends on where you are and why it's a felony and whatnot. But if you have a pocket knife, meh. Well, that's to, be, some, to be fair, depending on where you are, you can get in a lot of trouble for having even a small knife. So, yeah. you know, New York City, for example, you'd, you'd be in bad shape if you were discovered to have pretty much any knife on you. So I, I think... You know, there's two sides to all of this, and as we go through it, we'll, we'll have to, you know, at least keep in mind the distinction. I, I think there's the very specific state codes and penal codes for each individual state that that will certainly come into play because what is a felony here may not be a felony in California mm-hmm. or Texas. Um, and but the other larger thought is, you know, philosophically, you know. If we look at, and I gave, I think I sent you the list of, um, just from New York State, some of the listings of the names of the felonies uh, that are, are listed in, in New York State Penal Code, and, you know, trying to figure out which of these, you know, if any, are, are you know, absolute deal breakers. Like, you right. know, you, you did this, there's there's no way you're coming in the field. Well, and I think the, the bigger thing is, is it's the nonviolent versus the violent. And I when you're talking about the felony and we'll get into it in a minute here, but the, the violent felony, I don't, you have the ability to do harm and in EMS, we're not supposed to do harm. So you have a violent history, a violent tendency. And, you know, there's, I guess it would have to be left up to the employer. I think, I think part of this is, is it, having the law on the books that says you can't be an EMT because it's a felony, you have a felony charge. And not leaving that up to the employer to to look at the case, look at the evaluation, and say, okay, this is a felony charge because it's bribery, because um, that's the one we're going to talk about. But um, because it's bribery, you know, just because you know it was twenty years ago doesn't mean we should prevent you from doing that. I, I, I guess there needs to be a more granular look at each individual case if somebody wants to do this, and I think that's where he's going about is asking for the state to look at this more closely. Well, here's an interesting thing. And, and uh, obviously we're based out of New York state. So we have, you know, our, most of the laws we're most familiar with here are in New York state, but uh, from the uh, corrections law, uh, section seven, five, three of the New York state consolidated laws. Uh, it does say this, uh, no application for any license or employment and no employment or license held by an individual to which the provisions of this article are applicable shall be denied or acted upon adversely by reason of the individual individuals having been previously convicted of one or more criminal offenses or by reason of finding a lack of good moral character. When such finding is based upon the fact that the individual has previously convicted, convicted of one or more criminal offenses. So the legalese there basically is saying this, you, you, Legalese. Yeah, you can't you can't discriminate against somebody simply because they've got a prior conviction, at least in this state. Right. Um, and they do give some exceptions, and one of the exceptions being uh, that there is a direct relationship between one or more of the previous criminal offenses and the specific license or employment sought to be held by the individual. Um, and that's where I think you and I were discussing earlier, where. You know, if you have a if you have a drug conviction, a possession of narcotics, uh, possession of narcotics to sell, now you're looking to come into a paramedic situation where you're going to have constant access to not only medications but controlled substances like fentanyl and ketamine right. and things like that. Uh, I, I think that would be applicable. You know, do we bring you in knowing well, that you've got a conviction? Not mistaken, that's actually one of the ATF rules for having a uh, narcotics license too. We'd okay. have to have uh, our narcotics officer answer that, but I'm yeah. pretty confident that's one of those things. So, and, and I can see that, and I can support that, and say that uh, no, 
you know, I, I don't, if, if you've had a history in, in narcotics uh, trafficking or in just uh, abuse or possession of things you weren't supposed to have, I, I don't mm-hmm. know that it's a good idea to put you in a position where you're going to be around those things. No, and I tend to agree with you on that. Um, so, and the other thing with uh, the, the law, uh, the New York Consolidated Laws, <laughs> Uh, 754 says that the request of any person previously convicted of one or more criminal offenses who has been denied a license or employment, a public agency or private employer shall provide within 30 days of the request a written statement setting forth the reasons for such a denial. So you have to be given a reason. If you apply to be an EMT, you have to be given a reason why. And I think uh, based on the, the article that was written was uh, he was given the reason they cited the two felonies and he's like, well, this shouldn't matter. Right. But you know, you're, you're, this gentleman's also fighting an uphill battle. And the greater thing is, is how does that make the career field look? And what we're, what you opened up with is how does this make the career field look where we're, what kind of people do we want to bring in here? You know, violent versus nonviolent, you know, felony felons versus non-felons. And I think everybody should be given the opportunity through a rehab process. But, um, my personal belief is that sometimes people don't change. I agree with that, and I, and I agree with the rehab process. Um, and you, you know, depending on how conservative you are, you know, and one of the notes I made on this was there's the, the you chose this argument, uh, and and a lot of times you hear this, uh, you know, you chose this argument with people who are speaking poorly of opioid addicts or, or other people who have addictions, you know, and and you, what you'll hear a lot in the field, well, uh, they chose to be an addict, you know, they they chose to use heroin, they chose to get addicted, so you know, for some somehow they're less of a citizen because they chose that. Um, and, you know, I don't know what your feelings are on that argument. I, I personally am very against that argument. I, I don't think anybody looks in the mirror in the morning and says, hey, I think I'm going to be an uh, opioid addict and spend all my money and steal from my family. Uh, I think they make a choice at some point to, to use a drug or to try a drug. But when they get pulled into that addiction cycle, that's, that's different. So when I'm, you know, when I'm mentioning that, you chose this. I think a lot of people who are on the conservative side are going to say, hey, you chose to rob a store. You chose to drive while intoxicated. You, you made those choices. Um, now you are precluded because of a felony conviction from doing anything down the road there. Um, and, and my issue with that is, is as you had alluded to, I, I think people do change. Not everybody, but I think people can change. Well, and I think for for the state in general, any state, the federal government, the legislators to, to create a law, um, I, I think it's hard for them in that time where they decided to say, hey, we're going to say that you can't be an EMT if you have felonies. And this is the reasons why we're going to give right now. And that's it. It's hard for them to say and get down to granular to predict in the future when, you know, all of a sudden we're going to add these felon th- this this. Uh, this misdemeanor has now become a felony, if, and I'm probably phrasing that wrong because I don't know law. <laughs> but um, you know, th- this this misdemeanor becomes a felony, and now all of a sudden it's something that wasn't back when they made this first law, and now it's precluded somebody who, you know, in theory, didn't do any harm, didn't really do anything wrong. Well, they did wrong, obviously, but didn't do something that should preclude them from, you know, helping people if that's where, where they want to change. But I, 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 I tend to stand the other side where I don't. It's very hard for somebody to change. It, it is a very long process. And I don't know if saying, you know, 20 years later that this person might have done it. But this is also why you have probation officers. True. And people that can help them. And maybe it's on that person and to get their per, the the 
former felon to get their probation officer to go up in front of them and say, I'm going to stake my career on this person because well, that's what they should be doing. Yeah. And, and this is a problem we're seeing with a lot of things right now um, with Black Lives Matter and with, uh, you know, the COVID-19 and all this stuff. There, I think it's very difficult for people in general to think beyond black and white. And, and I'm not talking about black and white race. I'm talking about, you know, one side or the other. Um, right or there, wrong. There, there's so many shades of gray that, that appear in any discussion, in any sort of um, conflict when you're having uh, two different sides battling. And uh, it's, it's very easy to say, well, all these people are bad. You had a, you had a felony conviction. You're all bad, but you know I, I don't know. And you know okay. So and you had mentioned we don't know this stereo uh, gorilla gentleman. I, I, I have no you know connection to him at all. I, only from what I've read, he's got a possession of a dagger, uh, which we said you know that could happen to anybody depending on circumstances that you have a a, a weapon with you that's probably not legal. Um, the assault. I, I did not find the article on the assault. I don't know how bad the assault was or how that came down, um, but. If we look at the timeline here, we're talking, you know, this, these two things, the, the most recent one, the assault in the security guard, literally happened 15 years ago. And as far as I can tell from researching, since then, this gentleman has had no run-ins with the law, no arrests, no issues. And not only that, has been working as a seasonal firefighter fighting forest fires in California, which uh, I, th I think you would agree is probably one of the most dangerous jobs that mm -hmm. you can do to serve the community. I mean, these guys are getting killed all the time and getting overrun by wildfires and stuff. So, you know, at what point do we look at this guy and say, hey, listen, you did some stupid stuff 15 years ago. Um, you've been an active member of society. You've been seasonally helping put out forest fires, saving lives, uh, going across there. We're going to give you a shot. Um, and, and, well, and again, that that is something that um, you have to have that advocate for. So in like a quick Google search of this guy, everything's coming up about the lawsuit now. So obviously I can't do it now, but. You know, you can dig back into it, but like this is getting picked up everywhere. Yeah. Um, and you know, to to your point, he is a seasonal firefighter. There's no reason why the fire department can't come and say, you know, this guy should be an EMT. He's he's been an asset to this agency. He's I know he's volunteer, but he, we would like to hire him. We want him to get his EMT. This 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 is where having those advocates for after after you've served time come into play because this is probably a gentleman who has changed. And again, we don't know him. We don't know anything about him, but he has changed. He could have changed. You know, he was 22 for the first one and 24 for the second one. We're all stupid when we're that age. Well, yeah. And I don't know if this has happened to you at all in your career as far as uh, having patients that you've met or just interactions with people. But have, have you, and I'll ask you right now, have you met people in your life, either in EMS or outside of EMS, who, you know, own a shitty background? And say, hey, I did some really stupid stuff, but who, oh, are, yeah. who are not really productive members of society. Yeah. You know, and I've met them on the truck. I've met them on, as partners. I've met them as, uh, you know, patients who, who are, you know, just ex explain to me what happened in their life and where they were in a bad spot. And I think, you know, whether you commit a felony of any kind, I think we've all been in bad spots at one point. Yeah. And, and I think everybody deserves that second chance, but I can't, I have to know and meet this person. Um, it, it, it's not, I can't say that like, not, we're not talking about the firefighter, but like in general, I can't say like, I don't want to judge it, like judging a book by the cover. We talk about that. Um, I don't want to judge him by his cover of two felon, a former uh, inmate. He's a felon, blah, blah, blah. 
give him an opportunity reading more about him. Okay, cool. You're a seasonal firefighter in one of the most dangerous areas of the country, especially during uh, the wildfire, wildfire season. But at the same time, like, I don't know. I, I, I have a good friend who has a history. He's one of those guys that can't go into Canada because of his record and all that, and he's a, he's a great guy. Would He's one of those people that would do backflips for you if he could. Um, would you vouch for that guy? Yes. You would? Absolutely. I would also tell you that he's an a-hole, but that's just his personality type. He, he, he is, he is <laughs> not a ringing endorsement, J.D. <laughs> yeah. he, he is one of, those, he's one of those guys that will tell you exactly how he feels no matter what. And if he doesn't like you, you know he doesn't like you. So he is very he has the abrasive personality, but once you get past that outer rocky shell, he's he's a very nice guy. Well, abrasive personality doesn't necessarily make you a felon or or a, a dangerous person. No, you know? so I mean you can have that, and and who knows maybe the issues he had in the past were because of that abrasive personality. Um, I won't go into it. Well, yeah, you know, it's <laughs> probably good for his sake at least. But uh, yeah, when we look at you know, I, I pulled up some of these uh, figures, not figures, but um, the, the penal codes from parts of New York State, and uh, I think JD's going to put these in the actual show notes, the, the links where you can find this. But it will list. A, yeah, I'm not uh, listing all the penal codes. Well, <laughs> well, yeah, all the, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it'll give you a list of all the A felonies, the uh, the A two felonies, the nonviolent felonies, your violent felonies. Uh, but when when you look through these, I mean, there, there are some that you can read and go through and say, you know, just from the name of the, of the charge, if someone's been convicted, we can absolutely say this is probably not an advocate for EMS and probably not somebody we want around, um, you know, murder in the first degree. I, I don't know that you want murderers working for your company. And we're not talking about accidental. We're talking about you, you legit went out to kill somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a... The, the predatory sexual assault against a child. I, yeah, I, I don't think we want those people working here. I don't think it's a mistake that you just say, oh, you know, I had a bad day. Um, but, you know, here's um, bribery in the first degree, uh, section 200.04 of the uh, New York State Penal Law with nonviolent felonies. Uh, and, and really, it, it's a person's guilty of bribery in the first degree when the person confers or offers or agrees to confer any benefit upon a public servant upon an agreement or understanding that such public servants vote, opinion, judgment, action, decision, or exercise of discretion as a public servant will thereby be influenced in the investigation, or arrest, detention, or prosecution, incarceration of any person for the commission of alleged uh, class A felonies. So this is somebody who's trying to bribe you out of uh, arresting you. Um, and then there's lesser charges involved in bribery as well. But I, I would say that um, there's a lot of people who on a daily basis are guilty of bribing uh, congressional people. And I'm not going to get too political, but, you know, mm-hmm. special interest groups are throwing money at these guys all the time. And you can't tell me um, that, uh, you know, a, a benefit valued nexus of $100,000 upon a public servant, <laughs> upon an agreement or an understanding that such public servants vote, opinion, judgment, or action, decision, or exercise discretion as a public servant will thereby be influenced. Uh, I think that's the whole point of these uh, political action groups yeah is that they're gonna throw money at you to do that's what you want so i I think there are literally thousands of people who are (laughs) guilty of this does that make you a guy who can't be an emt i don't think so i I think that that's one of those examples of the nonviolent felonies and i know it's just really distant but that's one of those examples of the nonviolent felonies that eh, meh you know there's other examples you know residential mortgage fraud in the first degree 
should that have, <laughs> I don't even know what that is. I, I can infer that it has something to do with you lied about your mortgage, but yeah. Okay. Um, but then there's other ones like, uh, in regards to the nonviolent is burglary in the first degree. Um, I'm not reading all that legalese that you made me, you wrote down for me, but that's okay. Um, you know, it, it's technically a violent felony, you know. Um, you're entering somebody's home unannounced, and you were armed, or you caused physical injury, or you threatened somebody, um, or you displayed the what appears to be, which is another controversial thing, a pistol, revolver, rifle, shotgun, machine gun, or other firearm, or you went into a house. <laughs> Well, yeah, I like how it's got all that listing and then it's or you went to a house or the building is doing and, and here's this and I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate now. Uh, you are 18 years old. You're running with a with a crappy crowd. You've dropped out of high school. You've, you've had a little bit of a bad life and uh, you and your buddies in, in, a, in a drunken stupor one night uh, decide that you're going to uh, break into someone's house to get money to buy more beer and you get caught doing that. You know, that 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 is burglary. And it's not going to agree because it's an occupied dwelling. You, that this happens when you're 18. You you, you get convicted. Um, maybe you do some time. Maybe you're probation. Whatever. You know. Now you're now you're 30. You know. And and you've had a pretty clean life. You've gotten yourself cleaned up. You don't hang out with those people anymore. You've gone back to college. You've got a degree. You you, you own the fact that you were an idiot when you're younger. You know. Do, do we blanket exclude you from being uh, an emergency medical provider because you had something stupid in your past? No. Uh, well, I don't know that. Apparently, when you Google felon, you have to spell it right. Um, what I was looking up was uh, uh, felon advocate groups. Um, I have one right on here. Oh, you do. Oh yes, I, I missed right that. Oh yes, it's um, where is it? I, I gave you the link. You you did, and I'm gonna read it right now because okay. I apparently glossed over it. Is that the uh, jobsforfelonshub.com? Yes. So my my argument with yours is. If you're coming in again, it's it's a black and white thing. That's what that's what the law is supposed to be, right or wrong, black and white. Um, you're you come into me and you say you want to be an EMT. I look up your record. You have a felon on your record, felony on your record, and that's all I look at. It's an automatic no. But that's what the point of these advocacy big word groups are for. Is you should be contacting them or an attorney. And, and come back and argue that stuff. Um, I think that there's enough people out there that are willing to say, okay, this person has changed, where you can look at it on a case-to-case basis. If it's something um, 18 and you were dumb and stupid and you broke into a house and nobody was hurt because that's the second part of that law is, is you just break into a dwelling um, because it says, or it's the second point. Um if you're able to, you know, somebody's able to advocate for you and say, hey, this person's changed. They've been through rehab. They've changed their life. They were a dumb kid. You know, there's people out there that I think would be willing to give you a shot at least. And I think that the the other argument about this, too, is, is the nonviolent versus violent. And when we were talking about the nonviolent one, there are stuff in there that should preclude you absolutely from operating an EMS and one of the ones that we pointed out was life in, or I'm sorry insurance fraud mm-hmm. you know you deal with insurance every day how can we trust that you're not going to take somebody's um, social security number when you require that for documentation well, their, insur- their, their insurance number you know 
not only that, but I, I believe within, within federal regulations, if, if you are found guilty of fraud against Medicaid or Medicare, you are permanently blacklisted for working for any agency who actually bills Medicaid or Medicare. Um, yeah, and whether, I believe you're right. Whether or not you like that, that's kind of the rules that the federal government has in place. You know, you, you can't you can't commit insurance fraud and then get a job working you know anywhere. You or healthcare fraud too. It, true. Um, the the other one, I, I just as I was scrolling or scanning through what you had sent me. Um, Oh, I lost it. Oh, grand larceny. You know, that might be one where I would say, okay, you've committed grand larceny in the past, and I don't know, because you are in charge of uh, patients' belongings and a house. You know, I was to say you're not going to dip your hand into their wallet and steal their credit card information or... Correct me if you know better. I think grand larceny. I think I'm probably I, wrong on I, that. I, I th- no, but I think the actual charge of grand larceny is specifically based on a price of what you stole. I don't know. Let's look it up. Grand larceny. Like I'm, I'm pretty sure that it becomes grand larceny if, if whatever you whatever you took or whatever theft you stole. of personal property having a value above a legally specified amount. Okay, so so okay. Whatever. Well, depending on that legally specified amount, if you took somebody's cell phone because cell phones are expensive now. You know, that could be considered grand larceny. But it, again, it's I, I really think the problem here is not being able to look at something at a me, uh, at a micro level, mm-hmm. you know, looking at it as a, a case by case basis type thing. Yes, the law should be followed because that's the law and that's what it was written for. But I think everything should be a case by case basis to a certain degree. You know, violent felonies like we've talked Sorry, dude. You know you have you have a violent history. I don't care if you went and spent three years on the mountain with the Dalai Lama. You you have a violent history. That's stuff that just doesn't go away. What triggers you to snap on that thing? But you know there also could be an advocate out there that could help for you or uh, fight for you. Yeah, yeah. One of the problems you run into, and I, and I ran to this with education, especially when I was in the high school, is uh, not with criminals, but you know when. It's very easy. Damn teenagers. Right? <laughs> Some of them were criminals, damn them. But uh, I, I, I love my former <laughs> students. Most of them were actually really cool. But here, here's the thing. You know, you, you have a bunch of kids in a classroom. Um, you, you really have to follow the guidelines of education, and the guidelines of education is put forth by the state health state education department and, and by your schools usually are, are you know, you, you got to almost lump everybody into a category. You know, mm-hmm. And it becomes very time-consuming and almost impossible when when you are a teacher with thirty kids in every class. It becomes impossible for you to uh, take your time to individually assess each one's skills and weaknesses and try to develop a program that is specific, specifically you know rendered for that individual to help them be most successful. It's it's just not efficient. It's it's not possible. So what you end up falling back on, as we were discussing here, is these kind of blanket rules. You know, if if you don't get a 65, you you fail. And, uh, you know, I think those rules could be changed, but it would be very time consuming and and it would probably cost a lot of money because you'd have to put more people in place. Now, I I know New York State, when you apply for your EMT class, if you have a conviction, there's a specific form that you get. Um, they, They tell you not to sign it saying that you don't have any convictions, and then they ask you for a specific explanation. And there's actually a review board within the state of New York that looks at your history and your past and decides whether or not they're going to allow you to take the course and to be certified, which, yeah, and which I like that idea. I yeah, think that's, that's, I think it, that's good. It's good. It's very good. Um, 
I, he, you were talking about education. I don't want to change the subject, but I think this is funny, and I think our listeners will get a kick out of this. Um, with the COVID stuff and everything going virtual, my oldest, who is a junior in high school, well, now he's going to be a senior in high school. Magically, he's going to be a senior, was not doing well. He wasn't submitting his work. And um, you want to talk about everybody has a certain level. The school had to switch to pass or fail. You either passed or you failed. With that switching to pass or fail, even though he failed three classes because he didn't submit his work, he still had enough because one, his uh, BOCES, which is like an occupational thing, mm. um, was a, a number grade. That pass or fail was enough to give him a 91 average and make honor roll for the first time ever in high school. So, you know, run with the, it, man. Yeah. yeah. Run with it. But um, <laughs> it, it it's funny because you do have to do that kind of stuff where, you know, you're worrying about, like you said, 30 students or, you know, you're worrying about 200 different felons in one prison where you're saying, OK, you know, it's got to be A or B. It can't be C. You can't you can't just you have to lump people in a group. It's our system's not built for that. It's not it's n none of our systems are built for one on one interaction to the degree where it would require an evaluation like that, unfortunately. Well, and it would be great because if we could pay our teachers like we pay our sports people and whatnot, where they were getting that where we could say and I'm a firm believer of everybody should be held to a uh, <clears throat> a merit based standard or performance based standard. I, I agree. I, I think everything should be a performance based thing. I think if you are you if you are the best performer in the group, you should be paid that way. I think, and you should know that you're not also. I think that uh, in regards to that, like, if you, you could eliminate a lot of the problems when you think about it. If <laughs> you are the best teacher, you're getting paid to be the best teacher. And guess what? You were in the bottom 5%. You're gone this year. And that gives the opportunity for new, younger people with new ideas to come into these systems. Well, there are businesses that have adopted that model. Some large corporations where they just every they annually take their bottom 10%. It's the GM model, right? Yeah, and, and they did, then they get rid of them. I think then down the road, eventually, you're getting rid of really talented people because as you get rid of your bottom 10%, that next bottom 10% actually becomes people who are working pretty well. But um, Which just requires them to step up. Well, yes, and I, and I think we should be advocating for people to step up, and we should be uh, telling people that if they're going to get promoted and they're going to do better, uh, they, they they have some personal responsibility to uh, to toe the party line, toe the company line, um, and also to perform well and, and to learn more. But we, we tout that with education and yep. EMS all the time. You know, don't stop when you get your paramedic card. You, you keep going. You know, um, this this uh, conference that uh, we're supporting here, you know, the same thing. This is how do you get better? How do you continue to learn? How do you learn well right. so that you can not just achieve your certifications in EMS, but also continue to move on from there? Well, and, and to that point, um, going back to the, the the real question of what we wanted to cover this this today is that it should a uh, somebody with a felony history be allowed to work in EMS? And I think we've come to the conclusion. I don't know. That's, that's it, a good conclusion. It's, it's a <laughs> it's a case by case basis. It's uh, you have to look at you have to look at these things individually. It's not easy to say okay, no. You know there are there are plenty of people in the world that look at things black and white and can view that. But I think there's enough people out there that see gray and see multiple shades of gray and are able to say okay. Mm, let's look at this. Maybe we'll give him a provisional certification. We'll keep an eye on him. We'll monitor all that. That's what CQI is for, all that fun stuff, you know. Um, 
one of the final thoughts I have too, uh, and there's a this I, I should have looked this up before we started because I just thought about it now. You got your own Jamie over here, so I yeah. got you. All right, so uh, you can look this up. There, there was a uh, there was a case. Uh, I want to say oh, it was about. You're gonna make it hard. Well, no. It, all right, it, it all right, a, all right. It was a pretty straight case. Um, about twenty-ish years ago, maybe longer, 20, 30 years ago, when access to computers remotely was was a new thing. Hacking into systems was first. Mm-hmm. The thing, um, and there was a gentleman who was able to hack into a bank computer on his own and transferred a you know ludicrous sum of money into, into his own account, uh, and was subsequently caught for doing this. Um, I, I don't know the extent of the legal action against him. However, uh, when all was said and done, the bank actually hired this guy as a security expert and he got a very lucrative position with the bank because they said, Hey, look, you know how to do this. You're one of these hacker people. You can develop our systems so that, uh, people can't break in. Uh, and he actually kind of made out on the deal and, and, you know, call it fair or not. Um, I look at this from a law enforcement standpoint, you know, how many cops out there at some point in their younger years were doing stupid things that were illegal, you know, maybe weren't felony level, but uh, they had that experience. And as they grew up and got older and realized they were being stupid, now they have an idea of what to look for while they're out in the streets patrolling their areas. And Hey, I remember that. It's kind of like when your kids try to pull shit over on you and you're like, dude, don't try to pull that crap on me because I I invented that crap. Have you had that discussion with? Your oh yeah, kids? yeah, yeah. So it's <laughs> yeah. My mom used to say that. I forgot. I I never can remember how she says that. I always have to call her after. I'm gonna call her when I leave here because I'm gonna be like, how do you say that? I just remember I've done it better with better drugs, doing a backflip, riding on top of a car or something <laughs> like that. Like she's always said that to us. But there's a there's a good level of uh, you know benefit to having that experience uh, of making those mistakes because you won't make those mistakes again. And not only that, you'll be able to, as an enforcement person, note when people are making those mistakes. Yeah. So the, I don't know if this is it, but I'm reading this article real quick. Um, I'm skimming the article because I don't know if this is actually, but I have heard those stories where like the federal government specifically will go, somebody tries to hack into the federal government system and then the federal government will turn around and say, all right, you got a job now. You know, um, I, I'm sure those are real stories, but to, to be fair, the the EMS wise guys are not condoning you. No, hack, don't break the law. In the systems in an attempt to actually get a job. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, this is somebody who hacked into a bank in Bangladesh, and then it looks like they actually gave him a job. It's a Time New York Times article, but it's very long. Do you remember do you know what date it was? This would have been like uh, the late eighties, I think. No, this is not late eighties. This okay. is two thousand sixteen, it looks uh, like. Okay. So apparently the uh, the idea is still floating around out there. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm re- I don't know. But I, I have heard those stories that you're talking about, but it's interesting that uh those those types those type of people are out there where they're able to turn that into a job somehow. <laughs> you know? So J D. Yes. Criminals. Maybe. Felons in the field. What do you think? Yes or no? Maybe. Uh, we're gonna go with maybe because I don't know. I I don't want to say I don't want to say either way because it's something you got to look at. I'm gonna you know, say, I don't want to turn around and just say I, I don't want to write somebody off for not knowing them from a piece of paper. You know, and and I don't think it's my job as the communications manager of a ambulance company to say that you can't have a job. I even a, even a. Uh, a podcast pundit. I don't think it's my place to say you shouldn't have a job. I think it's a case by case, moment by moment decision. It's not just something we can say, no, 
I, I'm going to say that uh, I'm going to kind of agree with you there, and I'm going to say I, I think it needs to be a case by case thing. Uh, I think it needs to you know fall obviously within the guidelines of whatever systems the state health departments in the various states have set up there. Um, but I would say uh, to Mr. Uh, Garola. Uh, Good luck in your pursuit, mm-hmm. and 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 hopefully the uh, the fairest thing that can happen happens for for you and for anybody who uh, you know has tried to turn their life around. Yeah, and uh, thank you for all you're doing out in California with those wire wildfires because we know that that is not an easy thing to deal with. So uh, once more, I want to do one more uh, shout out to the uh, yes to conference the conference the EMS Leadership Academy who is holding the. Um, Prepare to Pass Conference on July 24th. It is a one-day event. It is free. 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 No money. Free. I like free. Everybody loves free. Um, It is a free conference. There are additional uh, uh, things you can sign up for afterwards that are money, but we are promoting the free conference. If you are interested in signing up, you can head over to howtoprepare.com slash wise guys. Howtoprepare.com slash wise guys. That's the number two. H-O-W-2 prepare.com slash wise guys. All right. So good luck to everyone. We hope to see you out there. Oh, wise guys. The EMS Wise Guys are John J.D. DeVirgilio and Sean P. Hulsman. The podcast is recorded and produced in the Speakeasy Studios, Amherst, New York. All opinions and ideas presented are the opinions and ideas of the hosts and guests and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of the hosts or guest employers. Theme music for the podcast provided by Scott Holmes. If you have feedback, praise, questions, complaints, or death threats, please contact us at podcast at emswiseguys.com. Thank you for listening. Be safe out there.